couple of weeks ago, our dear uh, brother uh, Tom Church uh, was here and uh, uh, asked us to turn to John chapter 3, and he was going to preach on uh, the new birth, the rebirth, the regeneration. And I sort of, sort of sunk, my heart sunk a little bit because I've had it in mind for three months or so to be preaching on that text today, just two weeks removed from dear brother Tom's excellent sermon. Uh, but why are we doing this then? Because the Holy Spirit wants us to hear something today, perhaps fresh, perhaps new, uh, perhaps a reminder uh, of the beauty and the glory of what we call the new birth. God's regenerating hearts that are dead, making them alive, eyes that are blind and making them to see. I mean, this is an amazing reality. So, perhaps many of you would remember two weeks ago, um, head into it again, by God's grace. I'll read just verses uh, 1 through 8 of John chapter 3. Now there was a man of the Pharisees called Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher, a come from God. No one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, "Um, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, You must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. We are in the course of a series of messages, um, the um, early part of this year, um, on the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And right now... Uh, we are in a, a little triad of, of sermons. Uh, the Holy Spirit um, gives um, gives rescue to those who are dead. He restored the people of Israel in the Exodus. And here, uh, he gives rebirth to people who are dead uh, through the new birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Next, next week, we will be looking at a fabulous text from Ezekiel chapter 37, where dry bones are raised up and and made alive, the renewing power of the Holy Spirit. And as I said, it seems that the Holy Spirit would have us uh, listen again to these words from John uh, chapter 3. And I want to look at this text through uh, three headings, and I have borrowed some from from, uh, uh, Phil Riken for this outline, but first of all, the necessity of the new birth, Secondly, the possibility of the new birth. It is something that actually can happen. And then, and then finally, that the Holy Spirit gifts of the new birth 
is, is multifaceted and mysterious and glorious. But we'll look at that gift of the Holy Spirit then, uh, of the new birth at some, in some uh, detail. Well, our text opens up with someone named Nicodemus coming to have an interview with Jesus. And he is a Pharisee, fastidious in his religious detail, but it also states that he comes at night time. Uh, it, comes, it comes at night. Uh, there are various reasons that have been proposed. Uh, perhaps he came at night not in order not to be seen. He could be even things of the work, uh, work schedule required. We don't, we don't know exactly, but I think reading the rest of the Gospel of John, the best answer to that question, why is it that he comes with at night, and this is important for us, is that he came at night because his soul was still dark. He came at night, which reflects the state of his own soul. Nicodemus didn't just come in the dark. Nicodemus was dark. His soul, not yet enlightened by the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember, it is the Spirit's work to shine light into dark places. As Jesus said, I am the light of of the world, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. This interview then is light meeting darkness. And we can respect the ministry of the Spirit even in our own day and say it is also a time today for light, for, to, for, for light to meet dark places. Someone here today who may be living apart from the light of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Spirit is here for us. Have you met the person who is the light? And if you have, follow-up question, are you walking in the light, keeping in step with the Spirit? Nicodemus is dark. May we all walk in, in light. Now, uh, to see the kingdom, Jesus is saying, to see the kingdom of God, to see the glory, the power, the majesty of God, and to see and to enjoy and participate in that eternal life in that kingdom forever, you must, he says, in answer to a question Nicodemus doesn't have the wisdom to ask, you must be born again. Now, something interesting about this little phrase, born again, uh, each word, born and again, can be understood in two different ways. We see immediately what Nicodemus found it to mean, believed it meant, that you were born of a woman, uh, and then you were born, uh, secondly, uh, born of the Spirit. But this word born can be used in two different ways. Uh, one way is, that, is the Father's begetting, not just the mother giving birth, but the father begetting, the father uh, impregnating a woman. It can come from the male perspective as well as from the female perspective. Of course, Nicodemus understood it to mean the mother giving birth. But either way, the dead need a Holy Spirit generated new life. Initiated by the father, given birth by the mother. The dead need 
a Holy Spirit-generated new life. And the word again uh, can mean the second time or another time or reborn. But it can also mean, and this is the way it is usually used in the Gospel of John, it can also mean from above. Born from above. This is the way John used it uh, in reporting Jesus saying to Pilate, you have no authority but that which is given to you from above. And so this birth too, whether it is generated from the Father or whether it is given birth by the Son, is also from above. I, I get both are true. We don't know exactly what, what Jesus meant here. But we do know that being once born is not enough. You must be born also of the Spirit who is from above. When we talk about the obligation to be born again, some people take that as a command. Well, I must do something then to cause myself to be born again. So I want to just remind you of what being born again is not. It is not something that you do. The one thing most needful... uh, Charles Haddon Spurgeon said, is the one thing we're not capable of doing, and that is causing ourselves to be born again. It is not making a decision for Christ. It is not walking down an aisle in response to an altar call. It is not being baptized, although that is required. Sometimes people think that if they are truly to live a born-again life, they've got to change. It is dependent on their self-improvement decisions. I will go to bed earlier. I will get up earlier. I will have a longer time in God's Word. I will do it. I will dedicate my life to Christ again. And I really mean it this time. I have seen people terrorized by that perspective. Jesus is answering here the question that Nicodemus should have asked. He should have said, how do you enter the kingdom of God? How do you enjoy eternal life? How can sinful people be made new people who live forever and do not die? It is an easy thing to try to answer this question by being morally religious, morally upright, But you can be morally upright and still dead. You can be fastidious about your habits and still have a dead soul. To be born again, instead, is this. It is God's imparting new life in us by the Holy Spirit so that we are willing and able to turn from sin and embrace Christ And he's giving us a new disposition so that we delight to turn to him and obey him. It is all of this inner work done by the Spirit imparting this new life so that we are willing and ready to turn and embrace Christ. And he gives us a new disposition so we delight to obey him. All this to say that that, uh, the the new birth is absolutely necessary, but it is also possible. It is possible if you are no longer walking like the once dead men walking like Nicodemus did. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. The dead man Nicodemus was walking. 
And there are many dead in our world who think they are alive, but are also dead men walking, desperately depending on the flesh in order to bring birth from the Spirit. Listen to Second to First Corinthians chapter two. The natural person doesn't accept the things of the Spirit. We, we encounter that, don't we, as we speak with others about the Lord. They, they discount, they don't accept the things of the Spirit of God. In fact, they may ridicule. The passage goes on to say that it is folly to that natural man. It is folly. He can't understand them. And, and here's the, the crux, the, the coup de grace of this verse, because they are spiritually discerned. They are given by the Holy Spirit. Nicodemus didn't get it. Um, in one earth-shattering statement, uh, Jesus said that your religion is pointless, your credentials will not get you into the greatest banquet of all time, the banquet at the last day. You are, are dead and without hope. A- another way that we can look at this, and it's helpful to consider um, ourselves in relation to other people around us, when we, when we observe people, we can say that, that the, um, the fall expresses itself uh, in both in terms of our minds and our, our emotions and our wills. And all three are disjointed by the fall. People don't see Jesus, as we've said, as necessary. And they resent the Bible and its author for saying that we actually need someone besides ourselves in order to live a life that is decent, pleasing, and accordance with the favor of God. Our, our minds... Are, are disjointed, spiritually dead, so that we won't believe. Our emotions follow suit. Uh, we find ourselves distressed, disturbed, always trying to measure up to something that we cannot because we have put God aside. But the Spirit makes a new person. And now we think and we feel and we act like children of God, the ministry of the Spirit. Because the flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. Some say that, again, that the, the work of, of being born again is something that we must do um, in... Um, we, we must do when we are responsible for that. They would say that one is born again and causing themselves uh, to be born again um, instead of recognizing that that new birth uh, is the source of our faith. Nicodemus, of all people, should have understood what Jesus was saying, that you are born of the water and the spirit. It's not a matter of saying that you, this is not saying that this is the person who is, you have to be born and there has to be amniotic fluid involved. And then you have to be born by the spirit. That is like no duh. I mean, if you're going to be a Christian, you certainly have to have been born. That's not the way we go in this. Neither is it a sacramental blessing as if we are receiving the waters of of baptism that regenerate us. Instead, what the Lord is saying is that the Holy Spirit comes to to regenerate us at the same time he comes to cleanse us. 
He regenerates and he cleanses. You are born of water and the spirit, both occurring uh, in the ministry of regeneration. Nicodemus, having read um, um, Ezekiel um, 36, should have gotten this. He should have understood this very clearly, uh, that we are um, we have, have been washed anew uh, by the blood, uh, uh, by, the, by the clean water, and we were declared clean. And, and Ezekiel goes on to say, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit within you. That should have been clear to Nicodemus, but he missed it. And it is something that many today miss as well. I want to tell the story. It's kind of a long story, but it's a story about someone named um, Archibald Alexander. He ended up being uh, one of the one of the, the, the early teachers at Princeton uh, University, Princeton Seminary. Archibald Alexander. Uh, the story goes like this: uh, There was a Baptist carpenter who asked uh, Alexander whether he believed in the second birth. Uh, taken aback. Alexander uh, said yes that he did. Asked if he had experienced, he said, not that I know of. And then he heard these disturbing words. Oh, if you had experienced this change, you would have known something about it. And so Alexander began to study, seriously study the scriptures. Uh, but but he but and he and he did find it in the Bible. But he thought there must be some way to explain it away, because among Presbyterians he'd never heard of anyone experiencing the new birth, and he couldn't remember anyone even talking about the new birth. He could not explain it away. So what he did was he tried to become his own midwife. He tried to give birth. To himself. He said, I prayed, then I read the Bible. I prayed and read, prayed and read until I was exhausted, but the more I strived, the harder my heart became and the more barren my mind was of any tender feeling. I was about to give up. But being so helpless and desperate, I cried out to God to help me. I knelt down and poured out a single petition, a single request. And in a moment, I had such a view of the crucified Savior as I had never had before. The whole plan of grace was as clear as day. I was persuaded that God would accept me just as I was and was convinced I had never before understood the freeness of salvation. I was always striving to bring some price in my hand to prepare myself to receive Christ. Now I discovered that I could receive him, all of him, all of his grace in one moment. And I felt truly a joy which was unspeakable and full of glory. The flesh gives birth to flesh. The spirit gives birth to spirit. Thirdly, I want to look at the Holy Spirit gift of the new birth. Remember that the words spirit and wind and breath are all the same 
in both Hebrew and in Greek. And we have here, compressed in these verses, the Spirit, who is the breath of God, who brings influence like the wind. Do you hear that? The Spirit, who is the breath of God, uh, brings an influence that is like the wind. And that is exactly what uh, John uh, is unfolding for us from the words of Jesus in verse 8. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Um, It is, first of all, a mysterious thing. We don't know where it comes from. We don't know where it's going. Um, it struck me. Uh, I was thinking about this text as I was as I was running uh, once this past week, and and you know how it is when you're when you're out out in the wind. You know you're running you're running one way into the wind, and you're expecting that when you turn around and go home, the wind will be behind you. That's not how it works in South Jersey. You can run out into the face of the wind, and you can run back in the face of the wind. You just can't predict it. It's mysterious. We often decide where the Spirit will work and where the Spirit will not work. Well, that person's more likely. But that person is too proud and too hard-headed. Their their heart appears to be inert, immovable. But we can't see and we don't fully understand how it is that the Holy Spirit first slips into the heart, gets past all of the defenses, and gets into the heart and actually changes the person. Thinking about that in in verses, we'll sing this song in just a couple of minutes, but uh, I know whom I believe, verses 2 and 3, let me read them to you. I know not how this saving faith to me he did impart, nor how believing in his word brought peace Within my heart. Don't, I don't get it all how the Spirit does that. Verse 3, I don't know uh, how the Spirit moves convincing men of sin, revealing Jesus through his word, creating faith within. These are mysteri- mysteries that we cannot readily understand. How does the Spirit do that? To whom does he do that? The work of the Spirit is mysterious. It is also irresistible. Do you remember the derecho we had a couple of years ago that came through our area? I I learned, in preparation for this sermon, that a derecho travels straight. It doesn't move around like other kinds of storms. It travels straight. And it is, you know it's coming. And you are still unable to do anything about it. It, is, it has irresistible power. And so the Spirit, when He comes, you can't hold Him back. The Holy Spirit gives understanding. The Holy Spirit renews the will. The Holy Spirit gives faith. All this is to say that He does not force a person to believe. He gives a new heart so you can. He doesn't believe for you. He renews your wills so that you can choose Him. And now you want Jesus. And in fact, you won't live without Him. The Spirit works in an irresistible way to make your desire for Jesus just as irresistible. Must have Him. 
must come. It is sovereignly, finally, sovereignly given. The wind blows where it wishes. God's sovereign, electing grace is at work here. He chooses whom he will, and he sends the Spirit to resurrect those whom he has chosen. Children of God, John says earlier, are born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but born of God. Children of God are born of God. Speaking of children, in a paragraph in the Westminster Confession of Faith on effectual calling, speaking of children in that paragraph, it says... The Holy Spirit works when, where, and how he pleases. The Holy Spirit works when? Not on your timetable or mine. Uh, He he works um, where and how he pleases. I grew up in a Christian home. In fact, my father was a minister. And it wasn't an easy go of it all the time. Uh, my kids asked me one time, well, why'd you have kids if you knew it was hard? <laughs> but here we are uh, with four kids of our own. But I, I uh, grew up in the 1960s. And uh, whatever connotations that brings to your mind, uh, they're probably right. <laughs> uh, it was a, a difficult time. Uh, I... I rebelled uh, very loudly during those years, engaging in the behaviors that you associate with that, with that time. For some inexplicable reason, it was a, a flash, I don't know, I just decided to go to Covenant College, which is a Christian college. And there I met a girl. And we spent a lot of time talking. And I spent a lot of time complaining about the Christian church. I made judgments about other people, about being hypocritical, of not having joy if they truly had been, in the language of this text, born again, or the hex the joy. Is this all true? I doubt it. she and others in the administration of that school were praying for me and um, even in that very first semester I can remember the heat being turned up in my own heart the chaos uh, existing in my own heart and yet then the spirit worked in such a way that I couldn't not pray for mercy Was I wholehearted about it? I didn't like admitting that my dad was right. That was one thing. Can you imagine that? Isn't that wicked that is? But I couldn't not pray for mercy. You see, the Holy Spirit worked when and where and how he pleases. And the way I can look back and put it right now, I was trapped but finally able to freely choose, if that makes sense. I was trapped 
and finally able to choose freely. Fourthly, uh, the new birth always shows effects. Jesus said, you hear the wind, you know that you know it's out there. So it is, the new birth, regeneration, always shows effects. It always produces fruit. You see evidence that the Spirit has given a new heart. And you can't fake it for long. We read the nine so-called fruits of the Spirit. Just think think of love, joy, and peace for a minute. Um, John's epistle says that that, that where there is love in a person's heart, in a church, in a community, in a marriage, where there is love, they have been born of God. It's the only explanation for love. You've been born of God. Joy. Think of what Peter says in his first epistle, first chapter. You haven't seen him. I know you haven't seen Jesus. But you have a heart full of joy that is inexpressible. Where does that come from? It's a fruit of the Spirit. You and I are sitting here 2,000 years later with joy often inexpressible. And then peace. Paul says this, the kingdom of God is, God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. The whole, the kingdom can be characterized, it can be identified, it can be pointed out by the fact that there is this great peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Now, I have said in a number of different ways today that flesh gives birth to flesh and the spirit gives birth to spirit. And yet the call to you is to come to Jesus, to look to Jesus, even as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness and those who were dying of this poisonous venom from the snakes, all they had to do was look at the snake that Moses had lifted up and they would be, they would be cured, they'd be healed, they would have life. And so John makes it very clear, the same language that Jesus was lifted up on the cross. And all you have to do is look to Him. And you can say, well, I don't have enough faith for that. Jesus is out of my reach. And and as you say that, you are seeking to make yourself your own midwife. The beauty of this is is that that's exactly where God works in your weakness and inability. Spirit, change me, save me, awaken my dead heart. And that, my dear friends, is a prayer that Jesus, that the the Father cannot uh, resist. Young people, I urge you not to do what I did as a young person. Get yourself in trouble. I could have died too. But I didn't. Save yourself that. Come to Jesus. He's worth it. Look to him. Look to him. Trust him. And you veterans, I just realized the time. You veterans, don't give up. Pray. Don't give up. I was so encouraged in our little Wednesday night gathering this past Wednesday night. 
there had been a couple that I had been very involved with and engaged with and, and meeting with and encouraging and pointing them to the Lord and and then they just canceled me. You know, have you ever ever heard that term? And um and, and someone reported in our meeting that, that the woman was had a had a neighbor who's a believer and this, this neighbor was, was taking her to Bible study and she was she was getting a peek at Jesus the way God wants her to. Amen. So don't stop praying. The Spirit works when and where and how He chooses for your glory. Let us pray. Father, we thank you, uh, Lord Jesus Christ. We adore you for your precious work on the cross. And Spirit, we adore you today for applying uh, the work of Christ, the Eternal Son, on our behalf, on behalf of those whom we love, And let us not give up the men and women and boys and girls who ask you to do um, what you alone can do. We pray these things in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen.